Yeah, that's the magic of musical theater. Yeah, that is really. It. And it's so emotional and it's so direct, different than film because it's being performed live in front of you and still so emotional, like a great movie. But this live interaction is, of course, very emotional and goes very deep into the heart and it makes you addicted mm. and you want to see it again and again and have this feeling, this big emotion. In this episode, I'm talking to artistic director Christian Strupek. Christian, so wonderful to talk to you and thank you so much. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. thank you for the invitation. So you are a, a musical director. I am actually artistic director. I'm head of a musical theater. Oh, I see. Okay. And um, musicals have have that always been part of your life? At what age did you um, start your interest in musicals? Interesting um, I, that I started actually with circus as a child. I was in love with circus and obsessed with it. <clears throat> and even more interesting uh, that I didn't only arrange performances with other kids, but I was so fascinated and I don't know why as a child already, how it is organized. So I was very really? interested how they can, how you can get a circus tent. I mean, there was no internet. So I, I thought I was, oh, this is so cool, this big tent, and can you just buy it? And, and I was always interested in the business side, as far as a child can be interested in that. So I studied the seating plans, and I was fascinated that they have different categories of tickets and prices, and I calculated how much money you can make. So I did the same thing. I put chairs collected all the chairs in the apartment <clears throat> um, and assigned prices and then I charged like a penny or ten penny <laughs> and then I, paid, then I paid everybody and did a real calculation and then everybody got, got paid a few penny so for some reason I don't know why I was always interested in that side as as much as in the artistic side or maybe even more at that time I don't know <clears throat> and then I have watched a lot of musicals on television um, and was fascinated and I loved My Fair Lady oh yeah so, that you couldn't record it at that time so I recorded it on a tape recorder cassette recorder when it was on television live so mm -hmm. I can hear it again Again, so I learned the whole show by heart, by listening to it. And then I saw uh, an operetta on stage. I think I was 12 or 13 live in Berlin at Theater des Westens, in my hometown. And I saw, this is uh, was a big operetta with dancing and a big staircase, I remember and uh, many costumes and I've never seen that before. So that was a key moment that I saw that all the musicals that I saw on television uh, can be performed live. I was completely fascinated that they did this live, what I only know from film, new film. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I thought, this is what I want to do. I remember that uh, very well. And then I started to see more. The next one was Evita. And then Cats in Vienna was running. And I always wanted to see Cats, but I couldn't go alone. And my parents had to take me because it was in another country. And then I saw um, a group performing in our town hall. It was not the town, it was the district. So it was a, a quite big stage and occasionally there were performances and you can could rent it and it was for the public, it's like a public theater. Um, and they performed a musical in English language. And I saw in the program that you can 
that they're looking for members. It was kind of semi-professional, so I was very impressed. It was the local music school in the district in Berlin. There are still today music schools in every district. And it's for free or very small fee. It's owned by the city. And one music school in Neukölln, a district in Berlin, they had this studio for musical theater, only this school, because they had an American teacher who was an actor, singer, and uh, dancer. And he had this idea, you could study singing or dancing or learn an instrument and you could choose from catalog and they had the studio for musical. So I was completely thrilled and I thought, I want to join them and I want to do this because it was so professional with an orchestra with micropods, very new at that time and quite a big performance, maybe like in America in a high school where they do real, real performances in a theater at school. And they said, I am too young to join them. The youngest was 18 and I was 14. So I called this head of the class, the, the director, not of the school, but of this class, the teacher. And I said, I really want to do this. And he said, no, you're too young and you're a child. And I said, I have to do this. I remember this phone call. I talked to him half an hour in English and said, I have to do it. So he invited <laughs> me for an audition and I brought my friend um, uh, from a neighbor's kid, um, Bettina was her name, because I didn't want to go alone. I did that very often, actually. It's interesting that I never yeah. wanted to do this alone. And I had to act in English yeah. um, in, and to dance and to tap. I never have done that before and sing. And I learned it with a record. So yeah. I learned some by heart from a record and sang along and then they said okay let's um try this <laughs> so yeah. i joined this and the whole class the classes were in english which was a big advantage for me later yeah. i didn't realize at that time because he only spoke english so the shows were in english and the rehearsals were in english and they had three classes beginners and um advanced and production on Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, oh. Thursday. And so I was, as, I was only the first and then I joined later the production group who actually performed once a year. And then the head of the music school decided this is such an important class that we all should be able to join um, dance classes. There were separate dance classes, but usually you would have to pay not so much, but we didn't have any money, my parents. So they said, everybody who's in the musical project can join the dance classes. And I joined all the classes. So I had all, the, all these classes after regular school in the afternoon, every afternoon. And um, which was a bit unusual with the older people. Yeah. Which was unusual too, because they were all like 18, 20, 22, 23. And then I auditioned for Rocky Horror Show, the first German language production in Berlin. Yeah. And I couldn't do it because I was still in regular school. So, um, but I went anyway, I was 17 and they said, I'm too young. Mm -hmm. On a theater, on stage. And I said, that doesn't work because I'm too young. And then I didn't hear from them. And then I saw the opening night. And one of the actors got sick. And there was an opening night party and I was still there. And they approached me and said, can you do one number on one evening tomorrow? Because one member of the chorus, it was a small ensemble, had, had to sing this role. And they needed a dancer on stage. And they remembered me. And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this one number, I've never done this before, and did only one number the next night in the show, Hot Petuli. Um, and then they they liked me and they said, one of actually one of the cast members wants to leave. And do you think you could learn the whole show over the weekend and do the whole Amazing. show? So I skipped school. I said, yeah. it's like, I'd come and learn to Saturday, Sunday, Monday. 
the whole show and then performed from Tuesday on every night. And the show was a big hit and I was a big star in school because yeah. I was in this professional production. All a big coincidence because I was still there when they were looking for this um, replacement. Um, so I did then my school in the morning and the shows in the evening. Mm. I skipped that I did performances with this group and then I had to leave the group for this professional thing mm. after many after three and a half years or something and they were very sad although two of us were became professional actors and one woman mm -hmm. an actress and they are still advertising with us really so long ago I thought about it yeah because we were talking about it today and it was almost 40 years ago it makes me mm -hmm. feel old. And they are still this thing, and they still advertise and call it, call it now a pre-professional education, which is yeah. a nice expression, and that we started, this woman, friend of mine, and me at this school. <gasps> it's so funny. The, yeah, but, but now your parents, how did they feel about this all? I think they um, were they were okay with it. They thought mm -hmm. that I want to do it professionally. It was actually not really a question anymore. And I left out that I always wanted to write musicals. I was obsessed with the work of Andrew Lloyd Webber, whom I got to know much, much, much later in person. So mm -hmm. I studied Evita and Cats because I saw it on stage as a teenager, the libretto. I was the only one in my school who studied Evita and Cats. Really? And then I started to study the translation because I was fascinated that there was a German language version and that it was exactly reflecting the English one, but still rhyming. So I, I studied all of this. And then I discovered Michael Kunze, who is um, a famous writer, and now we are working together. But at that time, I was fascinated and I found out he writes songs as well for other artists, that he's a songwriter. And, and how this all works. And I wanted to write, I wanted to write an operetta and I started to write many operettas. Then I started to write a musical. Uh, um, I wrote three musicals altogether. So I was always very fascinated in how you write shows. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be Andrew Lloyd Webber as well. Really? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but now you, you said now, you talked about the circus now, for example. And yeah. Um, what what do you think if you look back now and because it, you you basically went from looking at this or researching the yes. circus in your head and then developing what do you think there is is actually a link in that type of entertainment when you think now at musicals not that I say musicals as a circus but that colorfulness and the the different um actors in it? I think the truth is that I was fascinated that there are artists yeah. who perform professionally and people are coming to pay and pay for it. Oh, and I that see. it's a business as well. And this the merge between business and artists performing, I think I was so fascinated because I studied the show times and how long the show is. And I went there when they built the tent. Yeah. So I think deep inside it was a fascination about the connection between art, art and business. Oh, and they do it every day and then they need an audience and that the audience pays and has an expectation of what they see and then they see this great show and how do they do this show and what do they need to do it by the way there's another story speaking yeah. of circus I, there was a circus a new one Tempodrome is still existing in Berlin but when they started they had a tent Not a, now they have a house and it's rented out to um concerts and stuff but it started with one woman Irene Messinger 40 years ago and she made an uh, she inherited a lot of money and she spent all the money not for a house but for a circus and I was fascinated again that she 
just bought herself a circus. And then she started to arrange performances and it was a bit alternative. And she said in an interview, I want to include people and I want that people can um, use my stage to perform. And I said, well, this is me. She's meant me. But I was very young and I didn't understand she meant professional artists. Oh, yeah. So I went there and I, I wanted to do this performance. It was a big circus, big tent. And they were like, who are you? <laughs> and they didn't want to let me. And I know that I, I remember I, I went there several times and I said, but you said everybody can perform. Yeah. So I insisted. And, and, and then again, I insisted. <laughs> I went there many times and then they let me do it. I don't know exactly how. Yeah. came in one performances i was performing this big arena mm -hmm. something i learned it was probably not very professional because i was almost a child and i know that the newspaper mentioned it the performance really? and I was thrilled mm -hmm. that this was seen it was very funny and much later many years later i thought probably she didn't mean that everybody can perform <laughs> <laughs> But isn't it wonderful that as a child you you just think you can do everything, you know? It's so great. <laughs> well, I, in our business. Yeah, well, I live on the clouds and I also think that I can do anything. So it's everything is possible. And and then I after this engagement, I decided to want, I want to do it professionally, and then I studied in a professional school in Vienna, by the way, oh, in really? our because our company had a school at that time. It was the best school in the German-speaking territory, mm -hmm. but it was closed many years ago. But it's uh, funny that I'm back. Yeah, you're back in Vienna. <laughs> <laughs> in, the theater, in the same theater, because I studied in, in the school our company had. So it's or not a coincidence. And I paid my first year with the salary I got for Rocky Horror Show because my parents couldn't afford. And then the second year, I got support from the theater because I would have to leave. And I remember I applied and the director of the school said to me, you are not experienced enough to be on a professional stage because I did this show in Berlin. And I never forgot this sentence something is a student and there's another sentence i remembered all these years when after the first year i got another job in the summer here in austria with other students but i was a first year student and she said you got the job you a first year students student that's not right and i was shocked yeah actually i met her yeah she came we had a, a get together after 30 years and i told her and the funny thing is other students had the same experience. She said things like that. Like to one girl, she said, you are too heavy. You need to lose weight. And she forgot, didn't forget for 30 years. So she was confronted with a lot of lines on that night a couple of but years ago. It's, it's, um, it's funny how people can say things like that and you carry that with you for the rest yes. of your life. It's, yes. yeah. 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 Um, because I you think you did something wrong, but it wasn't yeah. my fault that I got this job. And it wasn't meant in a bad way. She mm -hmm. wanted to be very professional, but you have to be careful what you tell. Yeah, yeah. what you say. Yeah. I think. But but you have you've uh, mentioned now that uh, all these years ago you saw musicals already in German language in, in translated. Yes. Now, yeah. for how long has that? happened that um i wasn't aware that it it's you know i thought it was just a recent thing that they that they translate these musicals no always they did that always really? it was always performed in german and um, when musicals came to europe and i forgot to mention that i did actually see cats i forced my parents to fly to vienna with me really? i don't know how old i was i think 15 or 16 and I saw the show, which we are now presenting in Vienna. So it's all a big circle. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine? I mean, could you imagine that time that this would be happening to you now? 
Um, yes, probably. <laughs> I not really, not really in detail, and I didn't plan it precisely. That's another interesting thing because I was an actor and then a director. I didn't really plan this on purpose, but somehow I felt this is what I want to do, and then I wanted to do be more backstage, and then I got interested in producing. It just happened naturally. I didn't actually really plan it. But when I was 14, I wanted to do a stage version of Mary Poppins. And I wrote a letter, there was no email, to Disney in Hollywood and said, look, I have this idea and you have to give the rights to me. It's interesting that I knew I need the rights. And yeah. I got it six weeks later, I still have the letter that they cannot give approval. For oh, really? Well, they wrote back. <laughs> Yes, I still have it. It's a letter with a Mickey Mouse on it. It oh, came from America, from Los Angeles. So I was very, very sad, and I didn't really understand why they didn't give me the rights. But then we did Mary Poppins in Vienna. A oh, of you years. did? So I did it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years later. I thought it's a good idea, but I couldn't understand why they wouldn't let me do it. Yeah. Well, um, but you are so brave, you know, as a child, you were so brave to just do these things or try. And I think, I wonder how many people uh, get put off just by trying or asking and, and you persisted and things worked out for yeah. you that way. It was always very persistent, but you get less brave the more you learn and the more experience. Oh, yeah. of, um, same with my musicals the musicals I wrote that you always think and I can understand young writers because I get sent um, musicals from beginners and I can understand how they feel you always think your show has to be produced and this is how I was I sent it everywhere and you get obsessed with it and you think they have to do it they have to do it. and um, then later I I, I somehow stopped composing, not writing, but composing, because I thought I'm not good enough because um, I didn't pursue it and now I'm not professional enough. That's interesting because I learned more and I said, okay, now after such a long break, I can't really pretend I'm a composer. Um, and still today, I think sometimes maybe I should start again and maybe I can do it. Yeah, because I mean, if the if the if it's inside you and you, you have all yeah. this experience now, I mean, you know now what is what is the success of a of a musical. So you should yeah. you should do that definitely. I mean, honestly, with all just with your imagination, how you got into this industry, um, I'm sure you have the story to tell. That everybody will come and see. <laughs> I always thought of that. That would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> so but, much to do. And then later I, I wanted to direct because I was on stage for 13 years and I thought I want to be more creative and um, conceive a whole production, not just playing one part. And I was always very interested in producing. I don't know why. A costume designer told me actually a couple of years ago that when I started here in Vienna as a young performer in the summer production that I asked him and I had forgot about it how the costumes are made and where and what it costs to make one costume and I forgot about it and he really? said he was so surprised that a young dancer asks him how how you make a costume, how do you design it, and who who makes it, and what does it cost to make a costume? Yeah, he never forget this, and I didn't remember. So there was something again about the in industry side and the production side as well. And I wanted to learn everything about it. I was fascinated again how productions are financed, and you cannot learn it because. There are not many producers who do big musicals. Mm -hmm. And then I joined Stage Entertainment in Germany, the company, actually, as well to learn how musicals are produced, because you can't, there's no school. 
you can just work with one of the four big producers to learn. It's a very complicated and very special business for everybody in every department when you come from another branch, finance or, or legal department, all the departments we have or marketing, if you have done, mostly people can come from another company. Um, and it's so different and so, so special and so much passion as well. It's like a religion musical theater mm. for people who do that. And so everybody who comes in has to learn how this works. And it's, I always realize that it's so different than other um, businesses. But, but and you cannot learn it. But is, it, is, this, is this the reason why there are uh, only a few people or, or only a few uh, musicals that really have this longevity? On stage, you mean? Yeah. I mean, this is an artistic question. And in New York, one of 10 musicals which open in New York run is our long run. We only get the licensed productions that are big successes, but for every Lion King and Wicked and Cats, there are 10 shows that didn't work. Really? Yeah. And here, I mean, it's the market. I, I'm often asked why not more people write shows or why do you ask British people to write or compose or Americans? But there are a few and they are good. But I think the demand is not so big because in America, everybody is writing musicals and every second show is an original show. And here it's mm -hmm. not like that yet. Mm -hmm. Only occasionally musicals are written. Yeah, uh, and so more than 20 years ago and good people and there's more experience. But I think if you would need every year 20, 30 big musicals to be written for Broadway, then we would have more writers who oh. work in this industry because we do have more screenwriters. There are many, many, which is similar for, as a book writer for um, musical, stage musical, because there's the demand mm -hmm. to television, movies, and um, Netflix, and uh, they're all producing and producing, and they need writers. So there are many writers because you need them. But if you want to write a musical, you have to look with magnifying glasses, as we say in Germany, because there are only four or five who did write a big musical, German, Germans or Austrians, because there are not so many opportunities okay. to get mm. it produced and make money with it. And like you say, it's also the cost <clears throat> probably to put up such a production. The cost mm. and the know-how. There are many producers, first-time producers who try and you know already as a professional this will not work for many reasons. Mm. The different locations, the wrong budget, they pick the wrong team or several reasons. Um, it's such a hard business and complicated. I wouldn't say that we do everything right, but um, you can see when somebody tries to stage his or her own musical or a touring production who do rock concerts, try to put on a music because I worked as well as a consultant. And I know when you start to explain how this is done, this is a completely different business than a concert. You need a cast and second and third cast to replace people when they get sick and how you develop a show that you need to workshop it and how that you cannot just write it and put it on stage. And so it's a completely different industry. And there are not so many who have done it and know how to produce or develop or write a musical or to get a license. You cannot just buy a license. That's another interesting thing that people think, if I would run this theater, I would do this show or that show but you need to know the people and they wouldn't give you the show if you if they don't know you and trust you and because it's like their baby oh yeah so uh, it's not just the money they want to know who is putting it on and do you know how to put on a musical so you cannot just buy a license mm -hmm. for example if somebody says i would love to do cats in my theater you wouldn't get a 
easily you have would have to prove whether that you can produce it correctly and with high class and it's not so easy it's not just paying the bill from the money yeah. a fee but now also the um i take for example the the uh, production of cats that's here i know some of the dancers that uh, came were also involved in cats in london um and of course they also have to be uh, that's also something that you have to consider to get the dancers and the dancers with yeah. experience to do these productions. Um, tell me about Miss Saigon, because that I saw the premiere. I wasn't there, but I saw on uh, social media uh, such a fantastic production that you did there. Yeah, thank you. It's huge. It's a very yeah. special Miss Saigon is one of the most successful musicals ever of all time. It's not so easy to produce because you need um, the American characters and the Asian characters and it's all authentic. So you have to look for people who can do it. And it's a very big company. It was very successful. It has been shown in 32 countries so far and translated in many, many languages and um, won many awards. And we are presenting the new production, which was recently conceived in London and presented as well in New York in a separate production and in Tokyo and now in Vienna, which is a little bit wow. updated and modernized. Um, yeah, it is still a masterpiece, beautiful music, and it's one of the big four, as they say, with Phantom Cats, Phantom of the Opera Cats and Les Miserables, which kind of started the musical boom in Europe. In America, it was earlier, of course, but the boom of long run shows that were established here in the 80s and 90s. And you, if you see the show, you know why it is still around. It's just a masterpiece and it's so impressive. Yeah, you have to find the right people. We had 1,800 applications. Wow. And did auditions for months in several countries and a lot of auditions, not just one day. You have to do like 14, 15, 18 days in different countries. Like you see 80 to 100 people a day and in the evening you have two who might be doing the show later, possibly. Um, and we go to London, to Amsterdam, to Germany, Hamburg, Essen, because it's near Holland. They have great performers as well. And that's uh, science, how to find these people. And then you look at around about three to 400. Actually, look, you have to select. You cannot see everybody. And you can select with a lot of experience um, who is not experienced enough to do a show like that. So you don't invite this person because you only have certain slots because you have to pay the studio, the piano player. And then you look at three to 400 and then you come back home with around 50 to maximum 100 in the callback. Sometimes three rounds. The second wow. round would be workshop, but we tend now to do two rounds so they don't have to travel so often. They will split a workshop situation and then in the afternoon, the final decision. And then you have for each part, three, four, five candidates, but you have to make sure they all come and how they travel and, and um, that they um, are not tired when they come and they have to learn all the material and they know that they might not get the job. It's very hard for them. And I always appreciate so much that they learn all these scenes and songs, knowing they might not end up with the part. Mm -hmm. And then there's the so-called final audition when you have these last 50 people. And then you decide who will be in the cast. And sometimes it's a big puzzle because you need to have second cast, third cast. So almost everybody in the, in the group is as well um, a leading role. Really? And that's very hard to find. You have to find people who can dance in the group and then next day play the leading role. 
And usually people who can play the leading role don't want to be in the group or they cannot dance on the group because they don't have the ability. So that's always very hard to find and they make a lot of money. People who can take on the lead and are dancing in the group and can do that and can tap and dance and sing and they are okay with this position to be the second. So it's a big puzzle and then you have certain slots and then you have more people you like but not positions and then usually there are just a few who are only dancing. They are then the hottest and strongest dancers and they don't have to have a role. That's the most difficult ticket in a show that you are not covering what we call covering the lead um, but only because you are such a great dancer. And sometimes they are disappointed because they wanted to play a part, but actually it's even more um, a compliment that you got in and are not a second cast. And then in the end, it's about looks. They have to look differently, height. So if a few are tall, then you need smaller ones. And then people fall off the table. In the end, they did everything great, but they look too much like this other person. Or this, this person on this position has to be a soprano. And if your favorite second cast of a leading role is not a soprano, she cannot be on that spot because this has to be a soprano. So maybe the one who was not the first choice ends up with a part because they take all the boxes. It's very hard sometimes for the people who did everything right and still didn't get it. Or you have five great male dancers in four spots. Mm -hmm. One's out. Or sometimes they are in for like half an hour on the table <laughs> and then they come out and I think, oh, there he goes or she goes almost in. Of course, they don't know that. Yeah. Later, yeah. Then I realize how hard this is. They fight their way through and then they don't make it because there are others who are a little bit taller or a little bit older or this person looks slightly too young for this character and that's very hard but now you've been on the other side do you do you um you say now if you feel it you feel that when you don't yeah. take them that it's you can understand how they are um yeah taking it we, we can understand that and my team understands it and that's why they like to audition for us because you really have to appreciate their talent and always reassure that it was not the talent but other reasons and to make to motivate them so they would apply for the next show as well and um, we treat them always very well and um, we are, try to be very respectful so they like to work for us because in the next show maybe you need this person yeah. And then you are on the other side again and ask them to come in. And of now these, these dancers also, they have to dance every night because the shows are on every night. Every night except Monday. Yeah. And um, in Germany, they don't have a break in summer, so they can take vacation. We have a big summer break, so we don't give vacation. In that sense, you can take single days off if it works out, but um, we don't have to give like one, two, three weeks like in Germany because we don't perform okay. in summer. Mm -hmm. um, they do every night, almost, yeah. It depends, mm -hmm. of course, when somebody gets sick, then a replacement goes on and you have people outside who are not in the show. They, call, they are called swings and oh, they are okay. in the building. They are in the building. They have a, the job to learn several parts and they are told at lunchtime, when you get the sick calls, who they have to be that night on stage, which part. Wow. Swings are the ones who do not cover the roles, but the group, the ensemble. Okay. Mm. Uh, for the leading roles, it's called cover mm. or, or understudy. And the swings have a difficult job. They learn like five, six, seven positions. And you have to like that. I was a swing once in my life. I didn't like it. I hated it. And I didn't know who I was at night. And then I got very nervous. 
because maybe you didn't do the part for two, three, four weeks and something is a challenge. I thought it was only stressful. Oh, <laughs> I like okay. to be the same person every night on stage. <laughs> um, and But they have to be very um, skilled because sometimes on short notice, sometimes you come into the theater and somebody says, I cannot go on, I feel sick, like 10 minutes before the show. So they have to jump and literally, or even during the show, very rarely, but that happens, that somebody got injured on stage and then you replace them during the running show. And if somebody says, I don't feel well, this person already gets into makeup just in case it happens. And then you identify a moment, a scene when you can switch them. Mm. And otherwise they would be just cut. And there are cut shows as well, that's another term. If you are running out of swings, because they might get sick. And cut show means you have less people on stage than the original company had. And there's a cut show schedule, it's a chart. And for every part, it's identified after opening night, what this person, only ensemble, in the ensemble, can, uh, has to do like you have the men one they have often numbers which is horrible actually but in some shows it's yeah you yeah. have one or m2 m3 or f1 female one oh, okay. uh, and you identify if this person is not there what has to be done like this person is lifting somebody else or catching something or takes a prop off stage or takes a prop on stage or it's a very significant moment in the show that has to be there because the audience would miss it and other moments you can cut without being missed so when a cut show is written for a night you know you're missing two people and then they can look on this chart and see okay we have to assign these moments to other people that I liked to do. That's fun. If you oh, do really? show everything. Yeah, if you dance. do show everything. It's so interesting that you are this person, but you have to take this table off because yeah. otherwise it be remain on stage. Or this one solo line has to be sung. So then it's assigned to somebody else and they, they split this part. And that's called a cut show. And this has to be written by the dance captain. Yeah. So there are roles that are difficult to cut because they do so many things that are very important. Or some do less things that you would notice than you just assigned three or four moments to and others. Do you, do you announce that to the do you announce that to the audience that it's a cut? They show? have a they have a, a cast list outside. Okay. We have to do that, by the way legally because the artist has a right to be announced so okay. on the door there is a list who is on that night yeah but it's routine some are very interested in it and some don't even notice that somebody else was on stage oh, really? <laughs> because they look similar which is terrible of course for the actor but yeah the interesting things as a producer you want the person to look like the other i think oh, it's yeah casting when you have really people who are a little bit similar i love that just for me for myself that sometimes it doesn't work so well but um because actors want to be individuals and they want not to look like somebody else but as a producer you want another person who is very similar so when they switch roles the audience think oh, they I see, see the same show yeah which is artistic point of view probably terrible but mm. if I'm very I believe very much in that and I love that that there is always a person who is a little bit similar mm. but if you have a tall blonde guy and a very small brown hair I would say it doesn't really fit as the mm. replacement because it has to be as close as possible as a type very difficult for an actor to understand because an actor would say, I can play anything because I have a good education. Yeah. But you have a, you are a type and very, only a few understand them. Yeah. You can, when a person walks into the room, you feel like oh, she's the part or 
Really? That will never work mm. out before they sing. Really? You are a type. Yeah. Mm. A type. If, you're more, if you are more a little bit older, then you are not the daughter. If the daughter has to be naive and you look very much knowing, that's hard to explain because they would say, but I can play it. And we would say, yes, yes. you could play it, but you're not exactly the time. Yeah. But and in is... our business, we're... sorry. No, no, no. In our business, we want to be perfect. Yeah. Whereas in repertory theater, it's another challenge. You have your group of actors and they do everything. And it's interesting that you see them performing parts differently. But in our business, it has, if in a big long run production, it has to be perfect. That's why we look at 1800 people. Because you have to have the impression, I saw this perfect show and everybody was great and everybody was just right. And um, that's what's so hard for the actors. And sometimes it's a little, little bit like a gamble. The professional performers, they go to auditions, to every audition every day, and they know, same in New York and London, I might not be the type and they are not angry because they know. Mm. Sometimes younger performers are so passionate and they think they could do anything like I did. Mm. And then they learn they cannot do anything. And that's hard. Mm. Actually, I was in a school. We did this a workshop in a music theater school. And I've talked about, from my point of view, with my experience, to young students who want to be on stage. And the teachers, I found out, actually, the teachers always tell them, and they have to, you can do anything. You just have to mm -hmm. believe in it. And then we were like there with my team and said, look, yeah, but for this part, you're too young. You will never get it. Or you are too small. This person is always very um, tall. Mm -hmm. And they were like crying and said, but I always wanted to play this part. And this <laughs> is the hard fact. And you are not being told in school because they have to have their motivation and their dreams. Yeah. And this has nothing to do with how good they sing. It's just if a character has to be tall in the story, you very rarely would cast a small one. But as a teacher, you would, of course, see it differently. Yeah. But if you look now at your, um, at the, say, at, at when it was the premiere of Miss Saigon, did you know you made the right decisions when you did the casting? What, do you yes. get that feeling where you just think, yeah. okay, yes, yes, that was right? I actually get this feeling always on the first day of rehearsal. Really? Because you pass them separately, yeah. one, at top, one each time you cast one or two people, and then you never see them together in a room until the first day of rehearsal. And mm -hmm. I always think yes we pick the right people it's just perfect and sometimes i tell them and i say today i realize we made the right choices and you you are so perfectly well casted and they don't really understand they are always like what's he talking about <laughs> <laughs> feeling that after all these months you see them together as a group and think yes mm. Right, they fit, they are perfect, and they don't understand because they didn't went through this process, they only yeah. did their own audition. But we did the whole thing, and this is sometimes so difficult. And of course, on opening night, again, I feel that, but actually, when they walk into the room and I see them, and I, I see the second cast, and I think, Yeah, look, it just looks like him. Terrible, <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? But you should never. An actor that we think like that. Yeah. This is just between us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's amazing to think that build up, you know, and that the behind the scenes that we never know about, and the work that goes through. And I can just imagine that you have many times where you just your brain must be so tired just by looking and thinking and and will this work? And like you explained, you know, all these characters. And I think people don't think realize that when they when they come and see the you know this yeah, performance. It's possible. And they shouldn't realize that. I really <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should enjoy the show. No 
uh, only a few people who really know how this is done. Which it's not just my job. Every department, I mean, especially in Saigon, lighting, sound, the stage, it's so demanding and challenging. It's such a big show and everybody gave the best they can. And it was very challenging for everybody to put on a show like that. It's not just me. Costumes, so many costumes and so many lights. Second has more lights than other show. Just to put them up there, it's much more work than for other shows. And this, every light and all the loudspeakers are important. Every microphone is important. So 120 people work on a show like that every night and everybody gives his or her best and we are lucky at VBW that every department is very very experienced makeup hair and you have these people who come in from the west end or broadway to show us how or show the team how it works and are when we? they say they say our teams are just as good as in london and new york and as experienced that's really always great to hear we are very proud of i'm proud of my team because I couldn't do it alone. If you have great actors, but they look bad on stage. And um, but many teams came in, international teams, and said that VBW works like on Broadway or West End, the same wow. league. And that's always a big compliment. And orchestra, we have this great orchestra and they appreciate that. Um, and then when we hear that from people, come just in for six weeks and work with us on the show we're very proud and i know that and that's why the shows are so perfect because every department and not just working on the show but even in the back offices like legal department press marketing sales the general management the financial department they are very experienced with musical theater and that's why this all works mm. everybody contributes to this and it's very complicated to produce a show like that. It takes two years at least from the first mm -hmm. idea to the opening night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rehearsals, eight weeks, but the rest is preparation, finding but, the right people. But eight weeks is not eight weeks is not very long for rehearsals. I mean it's it's amazing how they do it. Actually, the real rehearsal time is about six weeks, and then you have mm -hmm. previews. Mm. or six weeks plus one music week it's possible sometimes in summer stock or repertory sometimes they only rehearse four weeks if you have professional actors it's possible mm. but we need that time to build the set in the physical production mm. for a big show like cats or Saigonia need weeks to just build it in oh, physically mm. and in the repertory theater you have to build in the set in four hours and we need two to four weeks to set it up. Set. Oh, that's what our show, why our shows are special, because you cannot see it anywhere or like that or not easily, because it's mm -hmm. so much uh, work it, it takes to prepare it, and then you can see it in the evening that it is special. But if you have to want to do a show every night for a year, you have to be very special. The people want to travel to see it because we need so many people in one year. Oh, of course, yeah. And repertory theater, yeah. theater usually do 10, 15, 20 shows a year of one production. And we have 220 oh. to 240 a year, the wow. same title, same show. So you need a lot of people to, to um, attract, need to attract a lot of people. So it has to be a very special and very impressive production to draw in 240,000 people a year. Where usually, if it's in rep and opera house, they need maybe 10 to 20,000. That's the relation for one show. But isn't it amazing that uh, these shows are? so long running and people still come back every time and, and want to see it again and again. Yeah, that's the magic of musical theater. Yeah, that is really. It. And it's so emotional and it's so direct, different than film because it's being performed live 
in front of you and still so emotional, like a great movie. But this live interaction is, of course, very emotional and goes very deep into the heart and it makes you addicted. Mm. And you want to see it again and again and have this feeling, this big emotion, but performed live in that moment and no, no evening is the same. Mm. So something could happen and that makes it very exciting. Something could go wrong or you see a different actor or there's a mistake or whatever. And so it's not like a movie that is just repeated by the same emotional impact. Mm. In, in an ideal world, it should have the same emotional impact like a big Hollywood movie that really pulls you in and that you really absorb the story and if that happens in a live theater that's very special and can be life-changing for people as i said it's like a religion to some people yeah. musicals yeah <laughs> that's true i'm such a big fan of music because i mean i as a child i used to watch them over and over again because you, it's the music and it's the storyline and yeah it's really it's amazing that you can be involved in that that that's your that's your career and that's your life yeah it is <laughs> yeah but um christian tell me what is you you have had many wishes that came true but what is your wish now for the future i think we all in the industry wish that we could go back to a normal situation because since COVID um, this was very difficult for live theater around the world with shows closing and shows have to pause and then we could open again but you need the audience as well and they hesitate because they think maybe we have to close again or they don't want to travel so it's very hard and sometimes we felt like in theater, not just musicals, but in theater, that people yeah, almost like forgot about it because life went on. You can work in an office with a mask or a screen. And people, when I said a couple of months ago, we're still not performing and friends of mine said, really? Oh, I didn't know because they are in a different job. And it's yeah. only theaters, hotels had big problems and the restaurants, and the whole entertainment industry. I mean, there's also the fair and um, whoever, when you do something that you don't have to do or nightclubs. Um, so that was all closed. And I felt like people didn't even notice them because they went on with their lives and their jobs. Okay, they had to wear a mask in the underground uh, or in the, um, in the gym. But we couldn't do our work. We were closed and then only to a small capacity. And then actors get sick, like on Broadway and London, it's the same here in Vienna and all theaters that they have to improvise and have to play a different show, but we couldn't do that because we have the same show. So I wish that someday we go back to normal and this will not be very uh very close this date because even if they try to get rid of some regulations and the masks um you still have to regain the trust of the people that they buy tickets because our business is about buying tickets for the future we need that we need that pre-sale because we have to sell so many tickets you can't sell the tickets after you opened oh, yeah. so that has something to do with trust that the show will happen and is not cancelled, delayed, postponed, or um, maybe that week is closed. And I'm sure we will be able to do a normal run of performances soon, but we need the people as well to believe when I buy a ticket in three months and take a train and have to get a hotel room that they will want to take this risk and this will take very long, I think, not just a couple of weeks. It will be years. Mm. Uh, um, that I hope someday it will be like um, it was for us as well. And that's yeah. very difficult because 
events and many people in one room is still top of the list mm. or risky situations. Well, you, you, yeah, you've touched on something very interesting because this is actually what uh, drove my project. That's why I'm doing these interviews. Well, this is my idea that I have one to have artists speak about things and, and speak about like, you, like you've spoken now about what goes on behind the scenes in your production, you know, and it's important that we realize that. I mean, I want to mention that we work for a company which is owned by the city of Vienna and we were employed all, um, and we were very lucky. There are many freelancers who couldn't work at all. They just, exactly. every job was canceled and they didn't make any money. And it was even more horrifying for them because there was just nothing happening and they had nothing to do oh. for a year or longer. That was, so we were lucky in a way that we were at least in a theater which was supported and we um, didn't just end up with no job. So for them, it's even harder. But it was a big realization in the industry as well. In the beginning, when they said the shops have to open and oh my God, and they, they realized that some, some people are not even interested in theater. So this whole discussion started about relevance and that was, that was a shock to many people that in that time of emergency when we didn't know so much about COVID and they said, close the theaters, they are dangerous. And it seemed to be no problem. That was the feeling artists said, and that was a shock because for artists, this is the most important thing. Yeah. And they said, the shops need to open the shops and we need to buy our clothes and we need to go back to work in our office. And we said, what about theater? And we re realized that this is, we learned in that sense that we are part of the entertainment um, area legally. Another big shock, which is actually true, but just legally, everything that's not essential. So that was a big discussion. Is theater essential? Of course it is for the soul, but in an yeah. emergency, they said, we need food, we need this, clothes, and theater was very low on the list. And that was a shock to many artists to realize that when it's really, when there's really a danger, people don't care. They want food. Yeah, yeah. Food for soul as well, that's what many people said. So in a good way, it made everybody realize then when it was closed for months, that it's not so great not yeah. to have things. And they came back and they said, oh, I missed this so much. So that was a good thing. But I yeah. remember at the beginning when the lockdown came, everybody said, but we have to perform. And everybody said, that's not no, important now. Yeah. <laughs> so that was difficult for the actors to realize that, um, people have other things on their mind mm. but it yeah, was good I, to feel that they want to go back and that they miss yeah. theater. well actually i actually uh, i spoke to a lot of um artists over the world uh during lockdown as well like this in in a zoom interviews and and i've asked them all do you think and this was still in midst of lockdown then i would ask do you think um the audiences will come back you know would, would they be yeah. eager to come back and the majority of artists said, yes, the, the, the people will come back and they would miss it and they would want it and so on. And they were actually right, because I think many, in many, uh, you know, circ uh, circumstances, it, it did happen, you know, where people say, oh, the audience was back and it was just so amazing and they were just so happy. And, and I think you're right. I think people later on started thinking, you know, this is, this is, this is something for the soul. It is also needed. Yeah. Well, Christian, this has been so wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you have an amazing story. I just love that you, you were fascinated with the circus. I think this is amazing. Maybe that's and the start of, of my book. We write yes. together yes oh definitely and you have to write a musical 
<laughs> about me, yeah. Nobody said this to me ever. Oh, no, no, you have to. You, you've got such a great story, and can, I can just imagine. Now, I would definitely think that that's amazing. I can make myself look better in the script. <laughs> Well, you you already you're already so impressive. I think it's amazing that you have this courage and that you have this confidence, you know, to pursue and to to not take no for an answer. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I still have this. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so um, much. It was very nice talking to you. Thank you. No, it was really such a privilege, and I'm I'm very happy for your time that you that you gave me your time. Have a wonderful afternoon and all the best with Miss Saigon. I'll come, uh, uh, try and get a ticket so that I can come and see because I read about it and, I, and it's, uh, it looks amazing. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Have Thank nice you, Christian. Bye. Bye.